0: Welcome to the CLB Forge podcast. This is the show to help equip you and your
1: church for mission, ministry, and multiplying disciples. Here are your hosts,
2: Pastor Mike Natal and Dr. Ryan Nilsen. Welcome to episode 31. We're happy to have you guys here.
1: Yeah, it's great to be with you today. Today we get to talk about a major event in the life of our national church body, the Elevate Youth Convention, and we have as a guest today, Pastor Brandon Pengman, he's the director of of Elevate Youth Convention.
2: Today's guest was born in Detroit, Michigan. He was raised in a suburb in Chicago, and he actually came to faith while he was in high school by a gentleman who literally just walked up to him and started to talk to him about Christ. I mean, that's an amazing story, and one that I'm sure has colored who you are as a person, Brandon, and how you share Christ with others as well. He went to Alphabus, which is the Associated Free Lutheran Bible School, and he graduated from the Lutheran Brethren seminary. He's been working with youth for uh, twenty plus years in some capacity. He volunteered uh, in youth ministry. He was part-time youth leader, full-time youth ministries, and head dean in Hillcrest. And now, as Ryan alluded to, he is the director of Elevation Youth Convention. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about that in a little bit with the name change and everything. We're gonna give Brandon a little bit of time. He's married to his wife Jenny for about twenty years, and they have three kids. Here's a little. A resume from Brendan as we went through this. I noticed that you haven't pastored at any churches on the East Coast yet.
0: If you look in there, I I did uh, three years at Huntington Station, Long Island, New York. Oh, there there it is. Oh, yeah. See that in parentheses? What I sent to you was. Mm three mm-hmm.
2: best years of my life. Oh, wow. Three best years of his <laughs> life. So there you go. So employment uh, at, at Bethel and Huntington Station at Hillcrest is the head dean, associate pastor at Bethesda Lutheran Brethren Church, lead pastor at Rock of Ages in Seattle, Washington, lead pastor now at Emmaus in DeWitt, Iowa. And he's also a chaplain at the DeWitt Police Department. He does a lot of things to further the kingdom of God. And one of the things and The main reason why we had him on today is as the director of Elevate Youth Convention. And so we are excited to welcome Pastor Brandon Pengman to the podcast today. Welcome! yes, good to be here with you guys. I'm excited. So if you've listened to our podcast before, you know that the question is inevitable. Brandon, which one do you prefer? Are you a Star Wars fan or a Star Trek fan? I'm going to go with Star Wars, even
0: though I don't know anything about either one of them. And I'll (laughs) give you this. I do think... As I came up in, in my Christian faith, I noticed that people who watch Star Wars or Star Trek were better storytellers as preachers. So I started to get my kids into that at an early age, even though I didn't grow up with it. I was like, man, so if you were to ask my kids any question, a couple of my kids, any questions on Star Wars, they will nail it. I, I, I encourage it. I just wow. didn't have that upbringing.
2: Nice. I think that that will definitely preach. Yeah. Brendan, before we start talking about Elevate, I would love to have our listeners get to know you a little bit better. So, could you share events in your life that have kind of had big impacts on your discipleship journey? Yeah.
0: Well, you guys talked about, we'll, we'll talk about the discipleship part first. You know, evangelism and discipleship obviously go hand in hand. And this is what happened for me in my life. I was maybe, I think I was just finished my freshman year, going into my sophomore year of high school. And my sister was going to this church and doing stuff. And then one day they just had a, they were going to some music festival. Mm. And some girl backed out like the day before. I'm giving you the, the faster version of this, but they asked me if I wanted to go. I said, no. And then I went inside my house and I went inside my house to eat because I was, uh, I was high. I was, I just gotten high and I came home to eat food and, and my mom started yelling at me about some stuff. And, and, and I remember just walking out the back door and my sister her and her friends who I had just rejected said to them, Hey, actually, can I go with you guys to this music festival? And I just thought I would sit around a campsite and hang out and. And that's what I did. And while I was there, this guy walks up to me, tells me about Jesus. And it was the first time that I can remember ever hearing the message of Jesus Christ. And the whole time, me just being like, I want that. I've I've lived looking around at all the lies of the world, like just everything that people talked about, the things that people said mattered. And I just remember thinking I was at a point in my life where I was thinking all those things were lies. Never knowing about Jesus, not knowing what he did for me, not knowing that he took my sin away, all those things. I didn't have a clue. I didn't Mm -hmm. didn't even know the name Jesus. So Mm -hmm. then I go to this outdoor music event. Some guy walks up to me who I'd never met before, starts talking to me about sports, and then starts talking to me about Jesus. And I remember just sitting there being like, I want that. I want that, I want that forgiveness. I want that. That's the short version of it. I'd love to tell you more about it sometime, but uh, so then I went home, and as we went home, we we, we dropped off, we stopped at the, in the church parking lot to get everything out of the van, and this guy walks up to us and he goes, "Hi, my name's Pastor Brian, and I'm the new and I'm, I'm the new pastor or I'm the new worker at this church, or no, and I'm new to this church, as we said. Let me get the word right because I remember. When he said, I'm Pastor Brian, um, I'm new to this church. I didn't know what a pastor was. And I thought when he said, I'm Pastor Brian, I thought, man, that's a funny first name that his name is Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> like I had never heard that name before. So, and, and, and there was a pastor who went to that church who I'd met before. It just never clicked with me. You know what I mean? Maybe we all just call him by his first name. I have no idea. But then that guy... Brian Pearson, Pastor Brian, he ended up being in that next year. My dad left our family and my mom went to jail soon after that. And this guy became the guy who took me in and started teaching me God's word and preaching. And I went to church every Sunday. I I just, I loved it. I loved the different, Mm -hmm. for me, it was a different lifestyle. It was like, it was eye opening. It, It was amazing. So, and that guy, Brian Pearson, he helped, helped me get to Bible school. He helped me pay for stuff. He, I mean, I went to this guy's house. No joke. Maybe 13 out of 14 days in a row, I'd be at this guy's house for hours. That's how much time this guy spent with me.
2: Wow. And I probably that, that's every a, minute of it. <laughs> that's a very powerful representation of discipleship in a in an individual's life. Oh, man. Like, that I, was full on living out discipleship.
0: Yes. I mean, it, yeah. it, it, what it really is, too. You know, when you talk about Jesus basically lived with the 12 disciples, mm-hmm. Right. That's how we would we would look at that. We'd be like, man, they walked with each other, they did life together every single day. Now it's to that same extent. But now you have this kid who I'm not kidding you, I was not in a gang, but a lot of my friends were. And on top of that, they're doing drugs. And 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 even though when I came to faith though, I never did drugs again. So like that day that I gave my life or that wow. Christ took hold of my yeah. life, drugs were never a part of my life again. But and then you you talk about, he he paid for my meals. I mean, I ate dinner at his house regularly. His wife always just planned on me being there. I used to ask him because he didn't have any kids. Like, man, why don't you have any kids? And he goes, man, I got you. And mm. and And then it wasn't just me. This dude inherited my friends. Mm. I would tell people, dude, I got the coolest pastor ever. And, and then they would start going to my pastor's house and we would hang out this guy's house, like me and three, four, five of my friends all the time. And I think he knew it's either my house where he's safe or, (laughs) or the streets where he's going to find some trouble.
2: How is that colored? Not only your current ministry as the lead pastor at Emmaus, but also your drive to reach youth, which is also one of the things that you do as well.
0: Yeah. And that's, I'm going to answer that. And you might have to even come back at me again with that. But I want to say one more thing. No problem. It wasn't just pastor Brian who, who discipled me. It was his wife. I think I always say Pastor Brian because like he was the focal point and he was the one I connected a lot with, but his mm-hmm. wife, Margaret was also just as much involved in my life You know, I mean, yeah, so I don't want to sell with her part short because they did it together and, and it was amazing. So now what kind of, what was that last question, Mike? Yeah. So my
2: question was like, not only both of them, Brian and Margaret, but also other people who have been influential into your life. How has that colored your way of doing discipleship, not only at your church at Emmaus, but also your drive to essentially like bring people in to do this upcoming convention and conventions prior to this specifically for youth?
0: Yeah. You know, discipleship is huge. And and as even, you know, when you're in seminary, I feel like that was driven home to us. You know, how are we going to disciple people? How are we going to there's different layers to the church. I don't know how you want to, what terminology I should be using here, but like I always look at, like you have your core people in the center and then you have people who come to church two times a month, maybe three. And then the next one is you have people who are like every other month. And then you have more peripheral people who maybe their kids only come to youth group. And I like to draw arrows inwards on those circles. And it's how do we move people from, I'd call it like a five or a six where, you know, I I don't go to church myself. My kid goes to youth group. How do I move them into, hey, if I can just get them to attend church once a month. And it's not just so that they can attend church. What When I say attend church, what I really mean is how can I get them to regularly hear the gospel message, the law gospel message. So we're trying to move people closer into the circles. And one of the things that I've done, and this is what I got from Brian Pearson and Margaret, is this. I have people in my house. I go out to eat with people. I'm spending time with them and and usually I don't have just that family over to my house for dinner. So if I'm having a non church family over to my house for dinner, I am connecting them with at least one or two of the church families. I don't know if they all pick up on this, but that way now, if they want to come to church and they do come, they have two touch points. They have two families they're connected with, right? So it's constantly about not just my relationship as the pastor or an individual, it's me trying to get people to move closer to that center, closer to to being, you know, core church people, people who live out the life of Christ and, and, and moving them towards that center. But in that, it's getting them to know and meet different people. So you will always see me with people from church, but you will rarely see me with just, just church people or just, I call it street people, people I get to know, you know, so it's usually I'm I'm intermingling with them and we open our door constantly. I mean, I have large gatherings at my house probably once every 4 to 6 weeks where there's 20, 30, 40 people
1: at my house. Yeah, I love how you're providing an opportunity for people in your church to rub shoulders with people from the community. That's great. You're setting that model.
0: And that becomes contagious. You start doing that with people, man, and then they start doing that with with their groups of friends. So now it is often that when someone invites me to their house, they have a, a, a next door neighbor or another family who aren't connected or associated with my church or any church. And I'm going there and I'm just hanging out with them. That's a formula. The more people who are connected to your church, who are become friends with like your non-Christian friend, they become a part of that group. They are going to get Christian influence, Christian wisdom, from not one person and then it also becomes well brand is not the only person who believes in this jesus story you know that guy does too and so is his wife and you know so it just that's a big part mm-hmm. of it and i think it all goes back to brian pearson and margaret and well it goes back further than that obviously with the disciples and jesus but in my life it goes back to That was my first glimpse of Christianity. One guy told me about Jesus. The next guy raised me in Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Thanks for sharing
1: that that with us, Brandon. Um, We'd love to talk to you today about Elevate. He tells us, how'd you get involved with Elevate? And what do you do currently?
0: Currently, I'm the director of Elevate Youth Convention, Back in 2007, I think they asked me to be a seminar speaker. And then I think I got asked back in 2009 to be a seminar speaker. And I remember being like, okay, yeah, I'll come back and help in 2009. And so I'm I'm there in 2009. I lead a seminar. And at the end of it, I walked up to Joel Nordfit and said, hey, I feel like I have some gifts administratively in the area of creativity that could be useful to you guys, and I would love to volunteer my time. So, so we he he hit me up and said, Hey, we're gonna start to plan the next youth convention. This was in probably September, October nine So we just wrapped up the youth convention and, and we we're still getting ready to start. And I was at my first church, I was at Bethesda, Lutheran Brethren Church in Wisconsin, Eau Claire, Wisconsin. So Joe Nurf asked me to be on the committee, and I'm like, Yeah, and then we had one meeting in Minneapolis, and I just came prepared, man. I was so excited about being a part of youth convention and like being a part of the team. And he had just said, Hey, everyone, at this time when we had convention, we was three days, it was six sessions. So you had a half day, two full days, and then a half day. And he's like, Bring a theme idea, bring six sessions, like, you know, try to bring something. But it doesn't need to be complete because we'll just all add to it, you know. And so he says this, and I show up on day one and I had a theme, I had a theme, <laughs> Bible verse, I had all six sessions outlined, and I was so excited. And then we left there. It was really funny because we got there, and because I came just so excited, they actually said, Do you want to be one of the main speakers? And I'm like, Oh no. Oh, I'm not, I'm not quite ready for that. You know, like I, I would I, and I mean this, I was still so excited about being a part of the planning. And I knew that God was going to, I'm, I'm creative. I like creative stuff. And so I knew I was going to bring a different flavor from just being on a part of the team that I said no to being a main speaker and just still being a part of the team. And then a week later, two weeks later, Joel Norfolk called me up, and said to me, we would like for you to be the the director of, at that time, youth convention. And when he said it to me, I misheard him. I said, oh, I'll, I'll help you find someone. And he's like, no, we want you to lead it. And this is, <laughs> you would have thought I was coming out of puberty, no joke, because I went, I still remember it. I went,
1: who me? Like
0: I meant to say, I meant to say who me, and it came out like, in this highest voice and it cracked, and I was like, "Me?" And he's like, "Yeah." <laughs> and and that was in 2010 when I think I officially started being a part of it. But at that time, youth convention, we were kind of not doing well. We were, I think, we were under 200 kids. And the mm. very first meeting Joel had me go to was a meeting with youth mm. workers from other parts of the of the of the synod: East Coast, West Coast, all over um, camp directors were there from IP. And, and the first thing that we talked about was, are we going to just cancel youth convention? (laughs) And I remember being like, wait wait a second, you just hired me a month ago and we're going to cancel this thing. (laughs) And, and, uh, and thankfully, out of that meeting was uh, a lot of support from the synod, from people around the synod that they wanted to keep doing it. And so that's why we did. We just, we kept on going. And 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 that's a big part of how I started doing Elevate, or I call it Elevate now. I'm just used, getting used to it, but Youth Convention. And and since I've been doing Youth Convention, um, I've had something called the three C's that I kind of look at. And it's Christ is one C, challenge is another C, and then change is the third C. So we made a change to not move every other convention and we made that change for cost sake because youth convention was, was going through and and spending tons of money, but it would cost anywhere from 20 to $40,000 to go out and do site development and, and go look at Florida and new Orleans and Seattle and all these places. And, and then, and we said, well, why don't we just keep doing it at the same place so that we can take that 20 to 40 grand. And lower the cost of camp. So that was one of our changes. We thought, you know what, let's not spend that money. We we can we can get in here and do stuff. But then the change to the name, Elevate Youth Convention, happened because every two years we're changing our Facebook name, we're changing our website name. And and a lot of people would be like, what's YC Youth Convention? Well, that didn't tell them very much. So Elevate Youth Convention is a ministry of the Church of the Lutheran Brethren. The Synod supports it, guides us, gives us direction when we, when we ask them for it. And we made that change so that every two years, we weren't changing logos and brands. And now people can go back to the same web page because it would always change. You know, it'd be yc13.org, yc15.org, yc17.org. And then you have to have people who who... Can do that. So we were changing everything all the time. So now we just have the same name, and all we gotta do is change out speakers, change out the theme's gonna
2: change. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, uh, giving some people some consistency, some continuity mm-hmm. with it, so that they can consistently search for it and find it is really important. So share with us a little bit of like what happens at at convention at Elevate. So kids
0: show up at camp, and they show up on the first day. It's a half day, and and
2: from the second they get there
0: until they leave our goal is to point them to Jesus Christ. Whether it's the people greeting them, whether it's at the registration desk, whether it's as they walk into the sessions with people high-fiving them, talking to them, our MCs know that they're there to be fun. But if you're only interacting and you're not showing Christ in certain ways, we kind of missed it. So every aspect of what we're doing is pointing students to Jesus Christ. Things I'm excited about this year is that we switched to one main speaker for each session. That's kind of a big deal because the amount of energy it takes to to make four messages that have an expectation of being great for each session is kind of high. So this time we thought, well, you know what, we're going to try. and We're going to use eight different voices and we're going to hope and pray that these eight different voices can speak to different students, you know, mm-hmm. but as far as like, you know, if you're like we, because we live in this season of COVID, we have not lined up any of our entertainment. Like, yeah. you know, last convention, I think we had David Crowder, the one before that we had for King of Country, which both of those, you know, I don't know if we can do that level. Each convention If people, it, that stuff is so hard. Just bringing in one of those bands is pretty much almost the equivalent of, of planning a full day for youth convention. So mm-hmm. it, it adds so much to the camp, but it's also a ton of work And it's just getting harder and harder with the demands that these groups have. So we haven't booked anybody yet. Looking forward to doing that here in the next couple of months. I'm hoping, you know, come February, March, we can start to look at our uh, entertainment lineup.
2: Yeah, all that sounds really great. If you'd like to learn more about, you know, who the speakers are, when it is, uh, other things that um, might come up, all that information can be found on elevateyc.org.
1: Brandon, can you tell us a story of, Something transformational happening at the convention. You know, one of the, one of the main things is we want to see how lives are changed through this. Can you tell us a story about that?
0: Yeah, we see it at every convention. One of the things I'll say is I've been wowed at every youth convention by the preaching of God's word. One of the things that we always strive for are speakers who preach from a law gospel perspective. We provide really good worship music, we provide great MCs. Like, those are things that we do well. We provide good speakers who who proclaim the law and the gospel. But then where it really happens, where you really get to see stuff, is we always provide time for each group to have their own time together. So we do a small time in in the afternoon, and then we do a little bit more time in the evening. And here's what happened. Man, I wish more people could see this because you take these kids from from the city or you take these kids, even if they're from the Midwest, and you put them up in the mountains and it's dark and you're not surrounded by city lights and you can see all the stars and you're sitting on rocks or you're sitting on the side of the hill or picking tables and you're with your group. And that's one of my favorite things to do. I walk around in the evening and I listen to the questions that we give them to ask their youth group kids. It is like watching a light bulb go on. It's like watching a a flower open up and blossom. And you see it all the time. You see it all the time. I mean, I know last time Troy Tisdall was speaking, I believe he was walking down to the stage. I don't even know if he spoke yet. He he sees a kid in the hallway, wasn't with his group, and the kid is sitting on the steps and the kid is weeping because their sin came alive to him that week. We're going into one one of the sessions and you can tell, that the kid is like, oh my goodness, you know, like, how do I say this? Uh, the kid is anticipating another message, another message where they're going to hear about the, our sinfulness, but God's goodness. And, and Troy's having this conversation with this kid before he even gets up there. One of our youth conventions, we wanted to challenge students to live in a world that is driven by forgiveness. We don't live in a world of forgiveness. We live in a, a world of justice, you know. Righteousness, Mm -hmm. and this is false justice or, you know, not a real righteousness. We thought we need to teach our youth that they can change the world by forgiving other people the same way that Christ has forgiven them. Because we're each going to go through different things in life where we come across hurts. You know, I grew up being, in my mind, hurt by my parents, hurt by the decisions my parents made. I know that Christ is calling me to forgive them. So we had this one message at one of the camps and Dave Foss was preaching on the call to forgive. There's a picture of it out there. We don't really do altar calls. We we talk to kids about their their sin. We want them to have a response to the gospel. But Dave asked students, you know, to come forward. If you want prayer forgiving other people, and if you see this picture, it's these students, everyone's coming down there with a the sense of I know that there are people out there that I need to forgive. That's what we do at youth convention. So when you ask for like a moment, man, when your kids and your youth group realize they need to go home and they need to forgive their moms, their dads, their siblings, the people who've hurt them in life. Some of those kids had been hurt probably sexually, physically, emotionally by people who should never hurt them. And you see them responding to the message of I have to forgive people. I get to forgive people. Those are the moments when you're at camp and you're like powerful. Like you just sit there and you get a cheesy grin on your face cuz you're so happy. Wow. You're so thrilled with the work of the Holy Spirit that you couldn't smack the smile off my face. That's those are the moments, man. Those are the moments.
2: Yeah, that's tremendous to hear about, you know, how immersive the event, uh, at Elevate is Brandon. Do you have any suggestions to leaders who might be hearing this and saying, Oh, this sounds amazing for our group of kids. But you know what? It's, it's really far away or like we're a smaller church. We, we might not have the money in order to, to send those kids. Do you have any suggestions to maybe overcome those type of obstacles? that people yeah. might be facing right now. Yep. Yep. For sure. For sure. Listen, I think it was in 03.
0: I was doing youth work in Huntington station, man, that doesn't, maybe it was, maybe it was 01. I don't remember, but they, we had, we had a convention. Ryan, yeah. you were there. Yeah. The convention in Florida <laughs> that didn't have the AC. Yeah. <laughs> remember that one? It was a little warm there. We're in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> Beginning of August. Yeah. Maybe it was the end of July. Yeah.
2: There's yeah. no air yeah.
0: conditioning. It's hot. It's hot, right? <laughs> I remember, here's what I remember. I remember taking, I think there's like two or three students from Huntington Station. It must have been three. It was all three. And it was not on our docket to go. It wasn't something we were planning on. But Manly also was like, man, it might be good for us to get a part, to be a part of the synod, to get our kids around other students in our synod so they can see that they're just not on their own. And I was like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. You know, like, so we threw something together and we fundraised. And here's one of the things I learned. There is a desire. And so far, every LB church that I've been a part of Every single one I've been a part of, there has been a desire, more mature or older part of the congregation to see them be a part of the Church of the Lutheran Brethren. So when you come to youth convention, you're not just coming to hear about the gospel, which you're hearing about the gospel, okay? I know that. But it's for you to see the rest of your family. It's a family reunion. Mm-hmm. There's never been a shortage of money. I know one time we all offered a church They did not take us up on it. They did not come to youth convention. I won't say what church it was, but I called up a church and said, Hey, I'll, I'll gift you. I will gift you 15 tickets. And they're like, Oh, we don't even have 15 kids in our youth group. Well, then we'll gift you five. You know, we'll gift you 10. We want you to come. We want you to experience what we have going on. We know it's that good. Now, I don't know if we still have the funds to always do that. And to be honest, we haven't given out any free tickets because no one's taken us up on it. But we have done stuff where, like, Hey man, I don't know if our church can afford it where we've done, tell you what, we'll give you, we'll give you one free ticket, you know? So if you can get one kid to pay and you will give you one and you come, just come and see what we have going on. And here's what I've learned. There's always the more mature, the older part of the congregation of our churches who want to see people connect, it's hard for me to believe that if you stood in front and said, hey, we have two kids who want to go to youth convention and we want to pay for half of them to go, that someone in your church isn't going to stand up and be like, hey, I'll pay for that. We had this one time when I was at Bethesda in Eau Claire, and we didn't have any open tickets. And then like we, we booked out. I mean, we had every seat was full on the bus. You know, there's, there's no more room. And then we had a kid bounce out. They're like, how are we going to get rid of this ticket camps in two days? And I'm like, oh, I'm sure if I put it out there. So I sent out a text message saying, Hey, we have one free ticket. Next thing I know, we had like seven kids who wanted that one ticket. (laughs) So then I had to send out another text message saying, "Hey, I offered out one free ticket. I have like I don't know if it was five or seven, but it was a number. We had to then go and find more space because, and we found people to gift the five tickets or whatever it was. You know, we had to get more vehicle. I forget how that happened. I don't want to exaggerate, but that's how it happened. Like this is the week before camp, and I just believe there's always some funs." There's always yeah. funds. I, I just, so if you need help with fundraising, I'll gladly help you. We'll, we'll, we'll connect you with some of the people that we've had who've done a phenomenal job. I'll give a shout out to a couple of people. Mark Johansson, he does everything. Okay. He does everything. He goes to our local camps, he goes to youth convention, he does youth specialties. This guy does a bunch of these things with his students. You know what it is? It's, Mark is a very effective planner. Youth conventions Mm -hmm. every two years, they came to us at one time and asked us if if we would do youth convention every summer. And we said, no, I know we have Tuscarora. I know we have Inspiration Point. I know we have Warm Beach. I know we have Winter Weekends. I know we have other ministries and Mm. we team up with them. Part of doing youth convention every other year is giving people an opportunity to be saving for a year and a half, two yeah. years before they ever even come. So, the other person I'd give a shout out to, and this person isn't doing youth work anymore with us, but you could always contact her and, and talk to her is Raina Kavanaugh, who just got married. I think it's Raina Caputa now, but she lived, the, she was from the furthest church away. She was on Long Island. She would raise money for 30 kids to come or 30 people every single time. It was so creative in how she fundraised. They sold pumpkins. They did car washes. This group flew in, and then they rented a party bus for the, <laughs> for, the, for the time they're there. And then they would stay four extra days and go to baseball games and water parks. And I was like, where do you get all this money from? And she's like, we fundraise. I'm like, yeah. well, I guess. <laughs> But it's just, it, I'm just saying it's possible, and there's, we have resources that can help you.
1: Brandon, I know uh, COVID's on our minds uh, with Elevate coming up this coming summer. There's still a lot that's unknown about how the pandemic's going to play out and how long it's going to last. How's COVID impacting your planning process?
0: We try to stay in regular contact with the YMCA of the Rockies. They are, and this is not me making this up, when you go into the YMCA of the Rockies and, and you're checking in, or at least when I check in from the very first time and I'm going up there to dig a celled in, they have plaques on the back of their wall where Christian magazines and organizations and camp groups list Estes Park, YMCA of the Rockies as the number one family camp in America. Why do I say that? I tell you that because they go through this all year long, we go there for four to five days once every two years, and we are just going to lean heavily upon them for what we do. When we go there, how would it look? You know what? I'm sure it's going to look different because last year at convention, we put different groups in the same rooms. What I mean by that, like let's just say I had a church from South Dakota and they had two students, and I had a church from Washington and they had six students and a room sleeps eight, we would put those eight people in one room because it was mm-hmm. cheaper for us. The, one of the things is we probably won't be able to do that this time. However, we do have a number of things going for us. The auditorium, the atrium that we meet in is two to 300 seats larger than our group. So we still have the ability to space out when we're in large session. Outside of our large session time, we do a lot of our activities outside.
1: Yeah. Tell us about that. What are- what are some of the other things that are yeah. going on besides those big meetings yeah
0: so what we do i mean it's worse we're very similar to other camps too but like we do a very large dodgeball tournament that is probably the hype of the hype okay mm-hmm. when you go there and here's <laughs> the cool part we've we've put it into the contracts of the musician groups or the skit guy. i don't know if the skit guys actually did it but i think they maybe did one a year we put it in their contracts that that if you're our entertainment and you're staying on campus, if like you're there that early that you participate in the dodgeball tournament. <laughs> so like, and you have all, and we, we, we have a trophy. That's, oh, that's, that's a large trophy. And I think at the top of it is a bowler because <laughs> that was the free trophy that we have. So but every youth group wants this. So like we do a lot of stuff outside during the free time. We have a lot of organized games. We do organized music outside. There's the time you spend with your youth group, you're outside, you know? So like yes, we're going to be inside, but we can spread out. We can do things like that when it comes with the cold, to covid. I think you guys know this just as much. If you're a pastor in a church right now, if you're ahead of any organization, the question Ryan just asked you changes mm-hmm. every single week, yeah. mm-hmm. right? I yep. mean, as a leader, I think COVID's taught us how to, to constantly be changing. I, I think I like change. And now I'm sitting there like, I don't like change. It's too much work. It gives me a headache. It is mentally <laughs> exhausting. And then, so when I think about it for, for youth convention, I sit here and say, you know what, how much will still change? We're, we're in, we're in December, Right now, and we're talking about the end of July. How can we even begin to plan for COVID? We have no choice and we will, but I'm just saying, even the things we plan for now will change in three to four weeks. And hopefully, some of the stuff with the vaccination helps us and things like that. But we are thinking about it, planning it, talking with the YMCA of the Rockies that has thousands upon thousands upon thousands of students who come through and families who come through their camp at a given time. And we're gonna lean on them and their expertise. But you know, Ryan, you did just ask another question. You said what else goes on at, at Elevate Youth Convention. Can I also tell you guys a little bit about another part of youth convention that we're that we're pretty proud of? Let's do it. We have a hundred and twenty youth workers, volunteers, pastors, chaperones, parents who bring these kids. And it hit us. This is the time for us to train these men and women in ministry. We're already gathered. We already paid to come here. So it's not like you have to pay for an extra trip down to Florida for youth specialties, even though Mm -hmm. they offer great stuff. I'm just saying, we started to realize, man, we need to add something extra. So we started doing youth worker training sessions. We're going to do six 15-minute teaching segments Each one comes with a book. I'll give you the best one. And we'll do this one at every youth convention. How do I teach law gospel? So Mm. every youth convention, your leader is getting a refresher course. And how do I teach the law law gospel? And then they get a book that goes with it. And you might be like, well, why is that important? That's the most important thing we have. That, That is like central to like getting kids to understand that you will constantly fail as you live your Christian life, you're constantly going to sin. But we want to remind you of the gospel daily, so we always give you when we give you God's word, we give you all of it—the law and the gospel. Okay. Well, not every youth worker does that. When I was new, I wasn't doing that. You know, mm-hmm. I some church hired me because I was cool. I wasn't prepared. I didn't have two years of Bible school underneath my belt. I didn't have three years of master's levels classes from seminary. You start to do when you learn as you go. So. At Elevate, we we've been doing this, and we went to the synod and we asked them, "Would you gift us?" and you were already asking the synod for money. And we went to them and we said, "Would you gift us ten thousand dollars for training for youth ministry?" And they're like, well, "What do you mean?" And we explained to them what we wanted to do and who was there, and they're like, "Absolutely, absolutely, we'll give you the ten grand." So then what we did was we t- we get these six people who teach these sessions. Um, and this is during the free time. So you we we have other people doing stuff with your youth. So that all of your chaperones can be there. We smush it together in 15-minute segments. And this takes about an hour to do three sessions on one of the days and an hour the next day. We are training men and women, volunteers, part-time, full-time pastors. We have 120 of them in the same spot at the same time. Let's take advantage of
2: that. Yeah, those are some tremendous resources that you guys are given out and your ability to not only have them come as like youth workers to watch the kids and also to receive the law gospel because whether they realize it or not, just sitting in on those sessions, they're hearing the same thing that the kids are hearing too. And so while they're the leaders, um, they're feeling that same type of conviction, that same type of forgiveness. And so for you guys to step it up and give them more resources and encouragement and equipping them in order to do this is a tremendous opportunity. And that should really be something that is uh, highlighted a lot. And so thank you, Brandon, for bringing that up. So my last question for you, Brandon, is do you have any advice to groups that are thinking about going to Elevate for the first time and things that they can do in order to get ready for something like this? My advice is you should do it.
0: <laughs> no, uh, you know, I, I do. You know, I hope that there's people who are listening to the podcast today and they can sit back and be like, "Man, I am risking a lot of resources on something I've never been a part of." So I would just like to encourage you to talk to somebody who's been, go with another group. Like if you if you're worried about all the resources, share them. T- team up with another youth group. Find a few churches from around your area who might be going and go with them. Or you might be like, "Well, I don't even know of another youth group who's going from around me." Go talk to some of our speakers. You know, I mean, you both are on the East Coast. I mean, we've had uh Roger Vixness speak. We've had a couple of different guys from the East Coast out there go talk uh Chris Priestaff, go talk to them and and ask them what they saw. Is 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 it is it something that will be beneficial for my kids? Because when someone says to me too, Mike, you know, man, it's a lot of work. You know, it's fundraising, it's travel, it's 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 a lot of work. And yeah that means it needs to be worth it. And we understand that. Like, We want it to be more than worth it when you come. My advice for you is come talk to me, go find someone who's been there, find someone who has spoken there, find another YouTube group to go with. There's ways of making this trip easier. And the other part of it is just to know that we want you to come. When I hear a new church that's coming, I was just talking to uh, an East Coast church the other day. And I just, I mean, like when somebody trusts you with their kids, their students, like like, hey, we're gonna come. You're trusting us. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a responsibility that we want to handle or t- or take and and take it seriously. Like, man, I'm glad you're coming. We're not gonna wreck your resources. Our goal is when you leave that your kids' lives are changed forever. That they, that that's true. Like that they will always be able to remember that time in Nessus Park, Colorado, when the Word of God sliced and diced and healed. And then for you as a youth leader, say, man, that was worth it. Mm. I'm glad we did that.
1: Thanks, Brandon. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you at Elevate. It'll Sweet. be great to be there. Thank you, Brandon, for being our guest. You can, uh, listeners, you can find out more about Elevate at elevateyc.org. Thanks all for listening to our show today. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, and we'd love it if you share the podcast with a friend or a colleague. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you guys next time.
0: This has been an episode of the CLB Forge Podcast with Pastor Mike Natal and Dr. Ryan Nilsson. Thanks for listening. We welcome your questions and comments. Email us at podcast at clbforge.org.